Welcome back to the One Penny at a Time podcast. Harris Elliott here. We have a very exciting episode today. We have our first guest from all the way across the pond. We have Will, a.k.a. D. Dividend Dynasty, coming all the way from the UK. Will, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing today, bud? Hey, Harris. Yeah, I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm no, super excited. <laughs> no, thank you so much for coming on and uh, appreciate I know we've been kind of going back and forth to get this done for a little bit of time now and you know, working this out with the time zone difference and everything, you know, glad we're mm. able to finally connect and talk some dividend stocks. Yeah, absolutely, man. Awesome. So, Will, um, definitely want to get to le- learn a little bit about you. Tell me about yourself. You know, what's your background? How old are you? Um, how did you get into investing? Yeah, man. So, yeah, it's 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 a good story. So, I'm, I'm 23, so still reasonably young. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up in Northamptonshire over here in the uk so uh for a lot of you us listeners that's it's about an hour away from london um in terms of backgrounds uh i've just just been about a year out of uni now so i went to leicester university in 2017 Uh, i studied business management and then after that i did my mba in 2020 so right dot in the middle of covid so it was all online but yeah so it's been about a year now, so I'm I'm now working in the automotive industry. So it's one year into that, so I'm finally working and earning some some money. No, that's awesome, and it's funny how you said relatively young in dividend years. You're still a baby, <laughs> so you you you're hey, man, um, we... you're still a baby in dividend years. And I mean, I'm 31 now. When I, if I when I was 23, this was not even in my thought process. So you're well on on the right track on there. Um, awesome. So you're about an hour from London. Um, fun fact: um, one of my best friends from childhood used to live in uh, used to live in Surrey. So I know a little bit about the area. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so awesome. So I mean, you're 23. Um, when did you start getting into investing? How? What got you to spark your interest into this? Yeah. So it's it's an interesting story, really. So um, I, obviously, I come from a business background in terms of my my degrees and stuff like that, but. Mm-hmm. My my degrees never really sparked my interest in investing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was analyzing businesses and stuff, just operations for my degree, but it never really sparked that idea of investing for myself. I think as well as that, it's it was because I was you know limited on money as well. But yeah, I, I suppose I got interested in investing in 2020. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad by mm. robert kiyosaki mm-hmm. um and that that's what really got 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 it going for me so you know after that i i started researching a bit more read a few more books uh a couple of notable ones richer wiser happier by william green and then uh the little book that beats the market by joel green greenblatt so you know that's really where i started to build a bit of a fundamental knowledge of investing um I started investing in January of 2021, so just over two years ago now. So it's been it's been a, it's been a good journey, and I've I've really enjoyed learning a lot along the way. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So I mean, so you started at 21, so you're literally started mm. in diapers. I mean, we, we talked about dividend years. <laughs> well, you know what? No, I won't say diapers. I'll at least say crawling because I've seen some people on like Twitter that uh 17 18 19 years old and some of these kids yeah, have ten thousand dollars crazy in portfolios. It's, it's crazy like amazing i think i think i saw the other day um 
one of the guys he's he's put in like three thousand pounds from a side hustle you know that's that's crazy you know what though i mean the people like those individuals who figured that out that early mm. when they're in their retired retired retire by 30 <laughs> i mean or even that it's like work optional and then like just they open mm. up the, the possibility exactly. for so much things in the world and it's amazing yeah so that's amazing there will so obviously it looks sounds like from on your perspective it books is kind of where it sparked your interest and started getting into mm-hmm. that which mm-hmm. is kind of a different approach most of the people that i've been able to talk to obviously it's a youtube route is where a lot of us myself yeah, included yeah you know kind of got the itch to really learn about this stuff but that's a really good perspective on there mm. um what's been your favorite book that you've read that really uh, so far Ooh, in terms of strictly investing um i'd say psychology of money i think psychology of money is such such a fantastic book i've and, seen a couple people post about this this week actually and um, yeah. it sparked my interest to maybe look into it myself i'm 100%. trying to get better trying to get better about reading i'm gonna be the first mm. one to say i hate reading so it's something i'm trying to be better about yeah well i was i was never if i if i told my 15 year old self that i'd be reading it reading for hobby a hobby yeah I'd, I'd have laughed at my face um but when it when it's something that's really got your interest it's it's much easier to do no absolutely and that's amazing stuff. So two years into the market, um, when mm. uh, obviously you know everybody's kind of different. Did you start off right away with dividend stocks, or uh, how did you like? What were like your first foundations of your portfolio to your journey? Yeah, so uh, I, I was quite thankful, really. You know, I stumbled onto the YouTube scene like mm-hmm. like yourself, um, and you know, instantly I, I started watching people like you know Gen X dividends stuff like that uh so i started out with dividends from 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 the get-go so that was i i I was lucky sort of in that sense um you didn't you didn't get burned by the um boom or the crypto boom nothing like that no i'm never dabbled in tesla stock or bitcoin or anything so i count myself lucky on that front (laughs) wow that's that's incredible yeah gen x is obviously amazing like Mm. it's funny like the the information how he provides such detailed information such a small packed video it's amazing it's yeah one of the in my opinion one of the best creators out there hundred percent yeah I think I think almost anyone you speak to will will say they've you know looked at looked at his YouTube channel at some point yeah absolutely and I think if I'm not mistaken I think he has the largest Discord for dividend investors uh-huh. I'm not big on Discord myself I I never really got into it but I know that I think he has the largest Discord. For it. Ah, okay that's great stuff there will so what were some of the first things or you bought did you bought individual companies you start off going more like etf indexing yeah so from from the get-go i, re- I really focused on etfs build out a little bit of a foundation for for the portfolio but i think <laughs> me being me and having a bit of a business background i i thought hey let's get let's get some individual stocks in there and, and start to analyze these businesses properly i think that it's, it's much more fun and it, it helps me sort of stay stay invested uh so in the in in terms of which stocks i went for i think one of my first one was lockheed martin um yeah yeah I, a I, crazy grow a crazy performance year last crazy year crazy yeah so i think i i started a position in lockheed at about 330 dollars 
So uh, a decent <laughs> decent point. Um, yeah, that that was my first one, I think. Wow, that's amazing. Um, what what ETF did you start it off as your foundation? So I with, with my trading platform, um, you mm-hmm. can get a thing called a pie. It's almost like M1 Finance over there mm-hmm. in, the, in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I split it between three ETFs, I think. So the VUSA, which is basically the, your S&P 500. Mm-hmm. And then VUC, which is the uh, FTSE 100. Mm-hmm. And then the VHYL, which is the All World High Yield Dividend ETF. So that, awesome. So the main you have, got you. So you have that exposure both for there to like one to what our S and P five hundred. You have some for the FTSE one hundred. For those who don't know, mm-hmm. uh, FTSE one hundred is the it's the UK the England the the England ba- London based uh, stock market exchange. For those who don't know, I don't even think I've ever talked about that before because never had the opportunity. <laughs> um, obviously, it's it's you know obviously in the US we also have the Dow Jones, we have the Russell, and then in the, even in Europe, other than the FTSE. Then you have the IBEX, you have the DAX. Um, do you mm-hmm. follow any of the other indices at all? Or you have you just kind of kept it to like home base and then the US market? Yeah, I've 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 mainly stuck to this, the basics on, on ETFs really, I think. For for me there's not there's not any need to really get stuck into some of the, you know, more complex ETFs or anywhere else. I'm 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 happy with those three and I think they'll they'll serve me well over the long term. Awesome. Um, in your portfolio, like my goal is I want to have 60 to 70% ETF weight. Obviously, it's a mix mm-hmm. of like S&P 500, SCHD, which I don't think it's available for you in the UK, right? No, no. What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we have like a mix of that. And then um, my route is I have a lot of um, uh, sector ETFs because like, mm-hmm. say, for example, uh, when I started off investing, I think I started off the portfolio with 30 holdings and it kind of be at that time it was too much. So mm-hmm. a lot of businesses I like, so I come, I compounded them to one ETF. So that way I can just take out the psychology part. It's like, okay, I, I'm not building up these shares quicker enough because there's too much to spread around, make it into one and build it out that way. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say is that your allocation as far as like individual versus ETF? Yeah. So I think for me, I'm happy with about a 35% ETF allocation. Um, yeah, so I, I see it, I see it as a sort of foundation um, for me, and you know I've got I've got a good amount of time to you know let let that let those ETFs grow and do their do their thing. So um, yeah, 35% for me is is about the sweet spot. I I, I would go up to about 50% as well but yeah 35 i'm happy with yeah. for now you want to get down and dirty and read those numbers don't you oh Your yeah individual I, love, I, lo- I love me a 10k <laughs> oh wow hey you know what that's what's the beauty of why we call this personal finance nobody's mm-hmm. gonna have the same thought process same goal and there's no right or wrong everybody's gonna have what works for them and that's the beauty of what we call this personal finance so that's amazing that's really good stuff there so individual companies, talk to me about some of your favorite ones. You, you mentioned Lockheed, which I'm not going to lie. It's a very particular pick for a first pick. You know, it's not a very common one that yeah. I would say, but good on you for making that your first pick. What other individuals mm. that you have? So I've, 
like I say, I'm 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 very focused on dividends, but I'm not solely dividends. So actually, two 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 of my larger holdings are non-dividend payers. So I've invested in Alibaba, so that's currently my top holding. Um, and then I also invested in Meta. So th- those are my main two growth plays. Uh, that yeah, they're, wow. <laughs> they're interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I don't think I've really ever talked about um, you know any of the China stocks. Obviously, uh, mm. for those who don't know who may not know about this, Alibaba is essentially the Amazon, I guess, version in China. Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about investing in China and having something you know some you know where there's a lot of unknowns, not only mm. in like the the markets over there, but also ge- geopolitically. Um, What's your what's your foundation for like Alibaba and what's your thought process on that? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, because I'm young, I w- I wanted that sort of higher risk element in my portfolio, but I didn't want it to be high risk because it's an overvalued business or anything like that. I think Alibaba is a very good value for the company that it could be in 10, 15 years. Um, so there, yeah, there is the risk with all of the, you know, the tensions in china um but for me i'm I'm happy i'm happy having that position for now and seeing how it plays out over over a 10-year period i think that is my holding period for alibaba as a minimum that's awesome how many shares you currently have uh i have 16 and a half shares at the moment i think i think i want to build it up to about 20 shares Gotcha. Did you um? Did you like had you trimmed down at some point? Because I've seen you you you'll you trim down like like say like sometimes like fifteen twenty percent depending on what. So I've seen you do that before. Yeah, yeah. So when when Baba, I think it went up to about one hundred twenty dollars a share after after it traded around eighty to ninety dollars for mm-hmm. a good couple of months. So it went up to one twenty, and I trimmed. I think I trimmed it by a share and a half. Uh, just just off the top, the, those were a couple of shares that I brought, probably around eighty dollars, I think. So right right at the bottom. So I was happy taking some some profits on that, and then reallocating that to something where I think you know, hey, I could get a div- nice dividend payer for this for the profit that I've made with this. So that that that's my sort of thought process. Whenever I do trim, uh, whether whether there's you know a good opportunity elsewhere in the portfolio. Yeah, that's awesome. It's kind of how you said, and there's been always this big debate about dividends are awesome and dividends suck. So mm-hmm. obviously, I know there's always the debate of like, oh, if a company pays out a dividend, that's just less money that they can allocate it better on their end yeah. versus yeah. the whole let them like I'll use Berkshire Hathaway as an example. They don't pay out mm-hmm. dividends; they reinvest everything in their own because they think they can handle it better. But yeah. obviously, for like you know retail investors like you and me. To be able to know when to buy a growth stock and when to trim to take profit and not consider their dividend, it's a little mm-hmm. bit harder and a little bit more work. So it's a di- it's a different approach, definitely. But you know, it's interesting on your part. It also gets you more involved with the portfolio because obviously you gotta start looking at the averages and how the movement is, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's great. And then for Meta, obviously Facebook. Uh, uh, so what's what's your um, what's your feelings on Facebook right now with everything going on and what the direction they're going with? Yeah, so there's been so much noise with Meta lately, you know, the Metaverse and all of that, all of the investments they've been making. Um, for me, my, my investment sits completely outside of the Metaverse. It's not 
I'm not betting on the on on their metaverse investments. I'm betting on the on the core business and their ability to to grow their revenue per, per user. Um, I think that there, there, there is a lot of growth there, and I think a lot of people are sort of overseeing that at the moment. So there's there's definitely some opportunity uh, for, for, for some good growth. No. Awesome there. And you know what? And I definitely agree. Um, I agree with your point. Like I said, um, I'm not invested in Facebook individually, but um, I have mm-hmm. uh, some ETFs, obviously, that does have the exposure to the growth stocks. That's that's my take on it. It's like, I'll use the growth companies through ETF just because I, yeah, yeah. I don't like the volatility as much. So I just rather make it a little bit more easy for me. But no, I agree. Like for me, I am not, I don't, the metaverse thing, if it took off or whatever, it's literally icing mm-hmm. on the cake, but I am not expecting that to be any any part of like the major source of the revenue for the company it's i think it's just more of a passion project in my opinion yeah ex- exactly exactly my thought process as well yeah so a dividend an individual dividend payers obviously i know lockheed is a lower yield um what are, what are some other dividend payers that you have in your portfolio yeah so <laughs> one one is intel uh, i'm sure that's something we'll, we'll bring up at some uh, point, <laughs> it's it's on. It was on my queue to talk yep, about. Yep. <laughs> um, I think Intel is um it's the uh, the not sexy stock of the week. So Mm-mm. we'll definitely bring up some Intel. So let's save the ugly ducking for the side. What else we got there? Yeah, so I, I've gone for a lot of you know, majority of my portfolio will sit with stable blue chip companies. I think that's the best the best route that you can go. Uh, one recent one is is Kroger. I recently added to Kroger. Uh, there you go I've got, yeah i've got some j and j in there i've got some lows uh, some some medtronic and realty income so some of the you know some of the big the big names that a lot of people do have got you what's what's your opinion right now on like the j and j so with j and j uh this is the lowest the stock has been since june 2020 and you know that j and j never really dips like this obviously you know there's the whole lawsuit with the talcum powder what's your take on j and j right now yeah, so for me, J and J is it's a fantastic business. It really, it really is. And if you have that opportunity to buy it at, at, at a reasonable price, not 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 a great price, but at a reasonable price, I think it. If you're a dividend investor and you're you know you're going to be holding on to these these stocks for for a long period of time, then it it makes sense because you have you have that stability and you have that long time growth. So. Yeah, I think I think it's a good it's a good point to to maybe buy a few shares at the moment and see where it goes. Got you. Right now, with the, I think right now, not looking at it right now. I think it's like at one fifty five or one fifty six, mm. give or take. Mm. I think it still has room to drop another five to ten dollars, but we said we don't know. That's just yeah, my exactly. thought process of it. Are you buying mm-hmm. at these levels currently? Because you know J and J is always going to trade at a ta- it's always going to be taxed essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I brought this is my newest position in the portfolio, actually. So I brought one share at around one fifty seven, I think. Okay. Um, so I'm leaving that share for now, and I think you know, as as the year plays out, I think I will continue to add to that, and then hopefully build it up to maybe four or five percent of the portfolio, and then you know, I'll allocate as I see is is good from gotcha. from the foreseeable. Got you. So let me add on to that. So you just recently added, you added one share, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one um, share. Are, are you the type of investor where it's like, for me, like I, I've seen some people do this. I've seen some not. Um, I'm one where I just, I'll monitor 
it for mm. like a month but not having the portfolio and see how it does but i know some people it's like well i want to have skin in the game i'll buy one share so that way i can kind of keep track of it and study like the patterns and whatnot is that kind of like your your take with the two yeah so for, for the majority I, I i do i have separate watch lists um I, majority of the time i don't dabble i don't dabble i i wait till right this is my strike price once it hits there i i, I will build a solid position um but I think for for a company like J and J, I think having having that tracker share in there and letting it, let it do its thing is is a good idea. And I'm, I I know I will add to the position over time. Um, so it's not it's not a share I'm going to hold and then sell off. You know, two three months down the line. No, J and J is one of those buy and hold forever stocks because. Mm the name brand and then we'll see what happens at the end of the year when the spin-off happens so i'm really curious to see how that changes up things for j and j but i think it's a positive thing if you want to look at when abby did the split and yeah they did really yeah. good so i'm gonna hope Absolutely. i'm gonna hope that we have that there that's awesome uh really good stuff there and you know um so we talk about blue chip stocks obviously the u.s is known for some of the biggest names coca-cola pepsi johnson and johnson 3M is a big name, but I don't. We won't talk about 3M right now with all that's going on. But you know, we're known for really big blue chip stocks. Um, mm. Do you have any European or UK based uh, blue chip stocks in your opinion that you consider blue chip that you hold in the portfolio? Yeah, I do. So current currently, actually, I, I was reviewing my portfolio the other day, and I, I was quite surprised. Really, I have so I have twenty one holdings overall. Um, two of those it's are funny. ETFs. We're, yeah. we're, we have the exact same holdings in, in my oh, do we? right now. I have exactly 21 right now. 21. Yeah, yep. there you go. It's a perfect number. It is. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually only have two UK stocks in my portfolio at the moment. Um, one of those is legal and general. So it's a UK stock. Um, it's an insurance company. So that it's over here in the UK. It's probably one of the best known insurance companies. Um are they in so that, auto, home, or everything? Like anything, insurance? Bit of everything, as far as wow. I'm aware of. Anyway, yeah. Um, Got you. Yeah, and then my other one is a company called Wix Group. Uh, I like to see it as the Lowe's or Home Depot of the UK. Okay. Uh, it's it it has it has like a kitchen um, installation area of the business that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's the UK version of Lowe's. <laughs> awesome i said i don't do a lot of research as far as you know on a lot of um uh europe um or like international stocks honestly yeah yeah um i know that i think I, the only reason why i know that a lot of this company it's from my friend who used to live in london you always talk mm-hmm. about tesco what's your take on that obviously that's a big grocery chain in the in the uk what's your take on tesco as far as like as a consumer and mm. maybe as an inv- as an investment opportunity. Like I said, I don't know anything anything about metrics on it, but maybe you can teach me about that. Yeah, yeah. So te- Tesco is it, it, it's probably the biggest UK uh, retailer, mm-hmm. um, and everywhere you go, there's a Tesco's, and everywhere you go, people are buying meal deals if they're you know on on lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's definitely a really really strong business and a really strong brand here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so from from an investment point of view, it's you know you're buying a good company. Um, I've just not dabbled in it yet. I haven't looked at the company's financials properly. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely something that's come on my radar. 
I think I think it has about a four and a half percent yield. It's di- it's difficult with UK stocks. Sometimes sometimes the dividend policies aren't aren't like they are over in the US. They're not as uh, you know fundamental to the business. Yeah, um, in uh, over there, at least that you would know, I, I know like a lot of from some of the companies I've done research on internationally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the US, it's a set dividend. Yeah, and then there's some companies that do. Dividend will fluctuate based on earnings, where it can go up and down frequently. Is that yep, kind of how yep. Tesco is, or, like, or more UK stocks are? Yeah, I, I can't speak for Tesco. I, I don't know whether they have a dividend policy, but I, the general theme in the UK, I think, is they either pay a percentage of you know their their profits, or if they have a good year, they increase their payout. Um, so it's it's very hit and miss, and also a lot of the companies don't pay quarterly; they pay either semi-annually or annually so it's it's a bit different yeah and it's what's really crazy is and like how and like how every market in the world is different this is something mm-hmm. i learned recently um and the episode i did earlier in the year where i was just doing some research on the stock i threw in my mm-hmm. yolo stock where i said i'd um I'm a, as you can see in my background i'm a big nerd and did, <laughs> did some did some researching on nintendo and i i don't i can't pull the i mean i think the eval is fine but i think it has more room to drop so i haven't done it but yeah. what's amazing is in that in Japan, the reason why Nintendo did a, a five for one stock split is because in Japan, you can't buy fractional shares. You can only buy mm. in sets of a minimum of 100. Oh, wow. And the reason why they did the stock, you have to buy 100 shares at a time. Wow. At least, at least, I think that's the basis. I think you go like 101, one or two. But yeah. the reason they did that is they're trying to get more people like you and me, like the retail investors to invest. Mm. That's why they did a stock split. But it's imagine us having to save up for a hundred shares to buy one. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, that that's interesting. Yeah, um, that's that was one of the things I learned, and you know, just how every market's very different. You know, mm, it is, and it's always always some interesting stuff on there. So that's some great stuff. So now let's get to um, the sexy dividend stock of the week, Intel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we know that. I, I don't think none of us are surprised the cut was cutting. It was coming. I can say that I didn't think it was going to be that high. Mm. You can maybe tell me what your thoughts are, thoughts on the the cut is and what you're doing with it in your portfolio. Yeah. So uh, for for those of you that don't know, um, Intel was actually my largest position as of two to three months ago. I think I had an allocation of about 12%. Um, but yeah, so... The, the dividend cut was it sixty five or sixty six percent? Sixty five percent. Yeah, I I absolutely expected that, and I I actually really wanted them to cut it. Um, I, th- I think I said I said that it must have been six to eight months ago. Um, I think their their payout was w- well too high, especially with the with the investments they're making and the you know the capex growing so high. Uh, so. For me, it made sense, and I'm I'm really I am really glad as as a shareholder that it's been cut. It's difficult to take when you look at the uh, projected annual income um, mm-hmm. of the portfolio, but it's it's for the better of the company and for the better of the shareholders, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. So right now, so are you holding on? Are you currently holding? Yeah. So recently, I cut I cut the position thirty three percent just to br- just to bring it down a bit in terms of exposure for the portfolio. Uh, for for me, I think it makes sense to have the money elsewhere for now. Um, I think if the company continues to bleed, it's it's cash. It's it's going to struggle. I mean, 
any any company which revenue is down 20 odd 28 odd percent year over year and its capex is through the roof it's it's going to struggle um but for, for for me the fundamental premise of my investment is still intact the the company is investing for the future and the foundry business is a really good option um so for, for me i'm happy to sit with my current allocation of about four four and a half percent um and just just wait and see what happens no i think that's great and so I'm, I'm in the same boat luckily i only have four shares at like 26 83 dollars on average so um now i think i was last time i checked i was down like six percent or something like that i can't remember off the top of my head but um i'm gonna hold it my thesis mm. of it though is it's kind of the same i did not invest in it because of the dividend yield i invested yeah, in yeah. it's more of an opportunity to be like okay this business is beating up the crap let me mm-hmm. see if they can turn it around it is in my opinion the riskiest play in my portfolio yeah but um out of the 21 holdings i think if as far as i think it's number 15 right now based on allocation mm-hmm. um i'm not gonna sell anything but i will not add a single dollar to it until that is the last position in the portfolio or if for some reason it dropped to like twenty dollars and maybe i'll buy one share but i'm not gonna go yeah, too crazy yeah. buying heavy on it because it's definitely a riskier play and um, if you kind of see, I've, I mean, you've been listening to the podcast. I mean, you know, I play it more safer on my end with how I like to do things. Yeah, and you know, I I have absolute respect for that, and I, I think that it's it's the best it's the best way to go. You know, if you're if you're not fully confident in in one of the positions, then why not make why not still hold but make it a lower allocation of your portfolio? You know, um, for for me, this is the exact same you know, thought process, you know, I'm going to reduce my exposure, but at the same time, I still believe in the company. Um, so that I think we're, we're both sat on the same, you know, core principles on there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, for yourself, um, what are like maybe like one or two stocks that you have in your watch list that you're either right, ready to p- maybe pull a plug on or maybe like you're far off on like pulling a plug, but what, what are some companies you have your eyes on right now? Mm. So one one stock I've I've really been sat on the fence for 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 a couple of months um, is Activision. So mm. it's yeah it's it's an interesting stock at the moment, and there's definitely a lot of opportunity for some you know in in a market that's a very volatile. It's it's definitely interesting because because of the mer- expected you know merger or acquisition. Sorry. Um, it's yeah. got some room to room to run. I think it's ninety five dollars the, you know, Microsoft's uh, expected acquisition price. So, yeah. Um, what's your take on the video game industry? Because obviously, Activision is known for Call of Duty, which is probably the most mm-hmm. sold video video game in the world right now. As far as if you do like the multi multi platform and computer and all that. Um, yeah. Are are you are you are you a gamer yourself? And that's kind of like your conviction, at least to start looking into it. Or. Yeah, I I am quite a gamer actually. I've I've. I've got myself a PlayStation and stuff, and I've played. Mm. I've played Call of Duty since I was thirteen odd years old. So, mm. I, I I know I know the you know I know the brands that Activision represents and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's yeah. cool to it's cool to own something where, you know, you you've really known the brand for a long period of time. 
No, and that's kind of like my thesis of like Nintendo. I've been mm. a consumer of this company for more than 20 years. So it's, that's why it's like, may not be a popular pick, but at least gives me the, it, I have to at least look into it and figure it out. And the reason why I haven't pulled a plug on Nintendo, it's for two reasons. It's because obviously their currency is in yen and it's mm-hmm. not, the currency is not really good right now, but also we're the, there's a lot of unknown in the market, and I feel like right now it's it actually it's sub ten dollars right now. I think it was like nine seventy five, which is almost a fifty two week low. I still think that there's room to go, and if it was to yeah. drop another dollar or two, maybe I'll put it in my tax advantage account as a short term hold, and then play it off that way. Yeah, no, that 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 sounds like a a, a good and well thought out plan. Yeah. So let's get now, I have a couple more questions here. And then we actually had a bunch of questions submitted from Twitter. So we definitely want to mm. go over those. So one of my questions that I have for you with obviously, you know, right now, what's your projected annual dividend income currently? And do you have like a set number or goal? Or are you just kind of just building it off and maybe reevaluating 10 years down the road? Because you're you're 23 years old. You still got so much more to go ahead. And- <laughs> yeah, no, so... I've, one one thing I love is is tracking tracking those dividends. So I I have I have a spreadsheet and I I, I project I project out the dividends. You know, monthly, weekly, hourly. Um, so yeah, cu- currently I think I'm sat at around four hundred twenty odd dollars or pounds. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, accounting for the Intel cut as well. So yeah, awesome. it's a, it's at a nice point. Um, in, ter- in terms of in terms of my my long term goals, uh, I think for me, I, I want to replace my nine to five sort of um, you know minimum wage uh, per hour amount. So that's that's a metric that I have on my spreadsheet. So I have, co- I think currently I'm earning about twenty one pence uh, per work hour. So my my aim is to get that to about I don't know eight, eight nine pounds, and then you know. I'll be earning minimum. Min- my portfolio will be earning minimum wage. Those are some great goals, and will like I said, you you have the most important thing that not people don't have, and that's the power of time and mm-hmm. compounding, and you know, like you, you're you're on your well track there. And then obviously another thing that a lot of people don't like to talk about is obviously taxes. And then I know if I'm not mistaken, I think the UK is definitely a little bit tougher on taxes. Am I right? Yeah, it is. If you if you have holdings outside of a tax advantage account, uh, I think I think the tax is around forty odd percent, uh, as far as I'm aware. But to be fair, to note on that, the UK is actually pretty good for uh, tax. If you if you have a what we call over here an ISA, which is an individual savings account, you get up to twenty twenty thousand pounds every year in tax advantage savings so all of all of my portfolio is actually sat in an ISA so any capital gains or dividends I receive are all tax-free gotcha so, so it's that 20 so you can contribute up to 20 grand a year or is it um everything's free up to 20 grand and after that the taxes hit yeah so it's it's a limit of 20,000 so I think it's a it's a little bit like is it is it the IRA over, over there I'm yeah, we have the we have an IRA and then the Roth. Um, the yeah. IRA over here. IRA is um, don't get taxed now, get taxed later. The Roth is put the money in tax, but then don't pay taxes on it ever again. Okay, yes, it's it's basically a twenty thousand 
pound threshold every year that resets. And so for me, I, I'm, I'm trying to contribute, you know, as much as I can of that 20,000 every year. And, and that will just sit and grow tax free over the long period. So, yeah, I, I, count, I count myself quite lucky in, in those no, terms. Definitely take advantage of that. Now, mm. obviously, like over here with IRAs and Roth, there is like an age requirement when you can first start taking it out without the penalty. Do you have that for that for your type of account over there? I think I think there are variations of the ISA um, that can that anyone can use. I think there are you know uh, ISA like child child ISAs. So I think up to I think it's sixteen. I think you can have parents can set them set their you know children up an ISA, uh, and then from there it's you can have your own. Um, so yeah, it's we are actually quite lucky in terms of tax over here, but. Once, once you, once you surpass that twenty thousand limit, I think the taxes are, are quite, you know, high on on any any sort of gains. That's really good stuff, and you know, and it's you know, appreciate you, appreciate you sharing that because, and this is what's the beauty of this. This is why I love doing the podcast. It's not only just to document my journey, but mm-hmm. you just taught me something new, and you know, it's. I think it's good to. Obviously, for me, like I won't be in depth in like the you know UK tax law or anything like that. But it's good to at least have a little bit of knowledge. And you know, you go up to a party, you go up to a dinner, and you have that that little tippet in the back pocket. And it's like you just sound you sound like Warren Buffett when you're really not. You know? <laughs> that's it, man. It's you learn something new every day, and that's that's how we grow. That's some great stuff. So um, I'm gonna I'm actually just pulled up on my phone um, yesterday's Twitter post. So we have a lot of good questions here that I definitely mm. want to get to. So let me scroll down here. It's actually, oh, it's actually quite a good one. A couple of good ones. Yeah, we got a few. So first question is going to come from J dollar uh, dollar a day dividends um, at one dollar dividend. That's the handle. His question, and this one we, we can kind of take turns on this one. Um, this mm-hmm. question is it's for a beginning investor when starting a portfolio off with fractional shares. Do you think it's better to select a few stocks less than ten, or pick a bunch twenty five to forty to be diversified and build up that way? I'll let you go first on that. Oh wow, that, that that's a fa- that really is a fantastic question, and it's, it's something that's so important for you know a beginner a beginner investor. You know, um, I think for me, it, it it really does depend on your sort of approach and how how you're going to go about your investing. Uh, if you if you want to be completely passive, I think just stick to ETFs. Just just keep those minimal holdings. You can have you know five five or so ETFs. Um, but if, if, if you want to actively invest, I think you need, you need to, you need to think about it this way is if you have say 40, 50, 60 holdings in your portfolio, how, how well are you really going to know those businesses? You know, you've got, if, if, if you're investing in us stocks, you've got, you know, four, four quarters of information coming in every year. If you've got 50 stocks, that's, that's a, that's a lot of work to keep up with those stocks. It is. I definitely agree with your point there. Um, obviously, and these are just our opinions. Obviously, don't take this as financial advice, anybody. This is just yeah. us kind of you know, talking about this. For me, if it's somebody who's new, if you don't know much in the market, I definitely think taking the passive approach is definitely best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 10 or less is a good start. Um, what I would do if I was somebody, if I was in this position, I would do five. I would do three, th- three ETFs, one biz- one blue chip business where it's easy to understand the business, then have one stock where it's a business you're passionate about, whether it's a dividend stock or not. So that way you can take that 
stock and learn and take the opportunity to start getting comfortable reading charts and metrics and numbers and kind of make that as like a homework or project for yourself. That's my take on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a fantastic way of doing it. I think um, if, if, if you're investing in a business that you love and you, you, you can get excited about then you, you're going to want to you're going to want to spend hours looking at balance sheets, income statements, um, and th- that way it becomes fun and you and you learn you learn a lot. And that's for for me, the majority of investing is just learning as you go. And that that's really the best advice you can you can have as a, a as a newbie. Great great stuff there, Will. Um, next question from Jorge. Um, his handle is jragio seventy three. He goes, buddy, since a dynasty is from the UK, how do you do the money conversion affects his trade? So, for example, converting pounds to dollars or euros, a dollar is high or low. Is it possible to have a bank account with dollars instead of pounds? Uh, Will, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think as of right now, uh, $1 equals 84 pence. Is that correct? Right about? I believe so. I, th- I think from my side, it's the other way around. I think one pound <laughs> is one $1.20 20, 20 something. So yeah, it's it's about it's about there. Yeah. yeah. So what's your take on as far as like you know when you're making these trades? Uh, a one, can you have a bank account that's reflected in dollars, or is it strictly pounds for you? I, as far as I'm aware, I don't believe we can. Um, mm-hmm. I think at, I mean at some point that conversion is going to happen either way. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't believe we can have have that sort of bank account. But yeah, in, in terms to, to answer the question, I, I think, you know, Forex fees and stuff like that, you know, when you're trading internationally, it's it's always going to be a present risk. Um, and for me, it swings and roundabouts. It's it's it can impact you for the better or for the worse. Uh, same as same as investing. Um, so I do consider it when I'm when I'm investing. Uh as I said earlier, the majority of my portfolio is actually in U.S. stocks, but a lot, a lot, a lot of it comes down to: do you, do you think the company will do well over the long period of time? If so, just invest in it. Don't worry about FX fees; it, it, it's going to go either way. But over the long term, it will it will be okay. No, great point there. And would you add on top of that, um, your you know having a very strong thesis of having what you feel like it's a fair evaluation for your businesses that that definitely plays a big part I'm assuming because then you're trying to get at the price where you feel is reasonable which then you feel like you're spending the right amount of money which then maybe helps out with your fees and with the convert, converting the currencies am I right on that yeah absolutely it, it all it all accumulates in sort of the valuation um of the business so if 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 you know you're going to hold the business for 10 15 years then I think FX it does have an, it does have an impact but it's over the long term it's 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 mi- minimal really good stuff um this one's from Rebecca I'm Raylin underscore NYC she just wants to ask why you're so awesome <laughs> I don't know man I love dividend stocks <laughs> good stuff and then we got two more questions here and then after that I'm gonna ask you just one bonus question for me a uh, newcomer investor asks, "What's the biggest investing mistake less, or lesson you've learned, and what's the biggest success you've had or lesson you've learned?" Ah, uh, that's a that's a that's a brilliant question. So, I think for me, the I'll start with the mistake. 
I think the biggest mistake I have made uh, during my two years of investing is investing in a capital intensive industry. So Intel, for example, Um, you know, if you're investing in a business that really needs to spend a lot of its profits to remain competitive in an industry, then you get that business is going to struggle to do really well over the long period of time, unless it's the industry leader. Um, you know, I think it makes it difficult to keep up in terms of the company's competitive advantage, you know, uh, how much market share have they got? How much are they losing this year? You know, have they, have they, have they solidified their position? Um, yeah, I think, I think it may, it makes them, it makes investing harder than it needs to be. No, I understand. And what was, what's been like your biggest success so far? I'm going to, I'm going to step outside of, you know, put my portfolio and the returns <laughs> and all of that. I think for me as an individual, my biz, my biggest success is being a, being able to influence the people that, you know, I love and, you know, get people in investing that maybe would not, would not have ever invested. Uh, I think that's probably my biggest, biggest success is I've been able to influence a few people. There's no better feeling when you get that one person to start mm-hmm. putting that first dollar, that first pound, that first dollar into the portfolio, and it's like it's like a whole other experience. That's great. It's great. Yeah, I I remember um, one of my one of my friends. He, he called me up. He said, "Hey, uh, can, can we just go and sit down and have a have a chat about some stocks, and you know, so I could sort of understand what you do?" And I'm like, "Hey, man, I've got five hours. Let's go talk." <laughs> got five hours. Give me a six pack of beer. <laughs> I will and we'll talk go your way around. <laughs> That's great. Uh, last question I got here. Actually, uh, Dapper Dividends, Rusty Ram, Russ Kanoff, the the man, the myth, the legend, asked a question here. Are there any sectors or companies you will not invest in, and why? Ooh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, I think I, I I mentioned that previously. So uh, a capital intensive industry. Mm-hmm. If I if I was to take it from now, I, I I would I would not I would not invest in that sort of industry. Um, I think, it, like I said, it, ma- it makes it makes things too difficult to keep up and overcomplicates it. Uh, so that's that's the, that's the sort of industry I'd avoid. Uh, I don't I don't I think in terms of company, I think if it's something that I do, I just have no comprehension of what the, what it is that they do or how they make money, I'd av- I'd avoid that company because you can't you can't build a thesis on a company you don't understand. Agreed. And, you know, it's kind of like how Warren and Charlie always says, if we don't understand the business, we don't invest in it. Yeah. Throw it in the too hard pile. Yeah. For myself, um, I actually have the type of business that I would never invest in. That's cruise ships and airlines. I Mm -hmm. will never invest in that type of business. Um, And look at, if you really want to understand why, look at the five-year stock performance on those. And that's all I got to say. The margins are very low. On those types of businesses, there's always a level of unknown. Like, I mean, COVID, we could have never predicted. And, you know, you never know what can happen in the future with that. Or I don't know if that would ever happen again. Only time will tell. But for me and cruise ships, it's more of a moral thing. Look, I love going on a cruise ship. It's a great time. It's an amazing Mm -hmm. getaway. But their, their business strategy of how they get employees, they purposely hire uh, people from countries with very low wages and that's how mm. they make a lot of their money. And it's by getting 
uh, going to all these countries that have very low wages and they pay them that wage, even though let's say the cruise ship is based out of the US or the UK or, you know, in South America full time, but they still get paid the wage where they're from. And that mm -hmm. doesn't sit right with me. No, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with that. And the, the, the airline industries and cruise ships, they're difficult. Like you say, it's, margins are very low. They are. I mean, look at what happened. I'm not sure if you follow what happened with Southwest Airlines in December. No, I, I don't know too much about that. Oh, so Southwest is a, a major, it's based out of Dallas, which is in Texas here. Um, <laughs> their, their system went off for like a week and they lost, I think, billions of dollars because they had to cancel, I think, I forgot how many, 20, 30,000 worth of flights. I don't remember the exact oh, number, wow. but they've, they lost so much money in mm. that one, that period of time where it affected the whole quarter and it was horrible. Yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely a really really tough industry i think the only the only person that's ever done it well is um uk uk investor actually richard, richard branson and virgin richard branson oh yep. yeah richard I richard think, branson uh, but even with richard branson there's been his times where he's gone bankrupt and came back again and bankrupt yeah. he's, he's he's come yeah. back from the dead multiple times absolutely, absolutely. but um interesting character though i i, I, lo I mm. love richard branson yeah yeah definitely Final question here before we kind of sign off here. Um, obviously, I know I think recently in December you made a trip to New York. Um, that's kind of like mm. my boat. Every time I have a guest, I always like to ask a bonus question that's not stock related. How was your trip in New York? Um, did you go? Did you go go to Wall Street and did you have some pizza? Uh, not not only did we go to Wall Street, we actually uh, we the hotel we were staying was right around the corner from Wall Street. So I think you know fifty steps, and I'm 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 there standing looking at the stock exchange. So. Yeah, it was it was wicked, man. Did you take a picture with the bull? I did, yeah, but it was it was super busy, so I didn't get a great one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how was the food in New York? Oh man, the food—it's incredible. We first night we—I'd say we lucked out. I, I went with my girlfriend, and she she's a big foodie, so uh, she she was sat there for ages looking at you know uh, what good restaurants we could go to. And I, th I think we locked out on the first night. We found this really, really nice uh, pizza joint. We mm. we had we had some good pizza the first night, so I was happy. It's <sighs> amazing. I, I need <laughs> I need to make I, I need to make a trip to New York, and I haven't been since 2011. So I think it's time it's it's mm. it's up it's time to go back and go see, you know, go eat some food and go explore a little bit. The city's amazing. Yeah, it it really is. It really is. Everybody, um, if you if you if you're still tuned in with us, uh, fifty minutes, fifty minutes and a half still. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us here. Um, the the description below, I'm gonna have all of Will's information here for his Twitter and his Instagram. Please give him a follow. Um, uh, great great young lad to really learn from and a great individual. Post amazing content on Twitter, so definitely a really a good follow to have. Will again, thank you so much for. Not only making the time zone difference work, but for being the first overseas person to come on the podcast, it's I didn't think that less than a year in we'd be kind of getting to this level. So again, thank you so much for you for you taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, absolutely, Harris. I really appreciate you bringing me on. You know, it's been I I, I love sitting and talking to you know people like minded people, and it's 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 been fantastic. So thank thank you for the opportunity. No, thank you, Will. And just like we always like to close out our episode, doesn't matter whether you're paying off debt, saving for the future, investing in yourself, we're all going to reach that goal one penny at a time. We'll see you on the next one.